It was 1675, and there was a new boy in Stockholm. The city was full of them at that time of year. Cute boys. Strong boys. Big, large boys. For local teenager Lisbeth Karlsdotter, this one boy stood head and shoulders above the rest. His name was Johan Johansson Gris. He was 12 years old, and he had just moved to Stockholm from the northern city of Jävle, where he'd made waves by having his own mother executed for the crime of witchcraft. Wow, thought Lisbeth. In fact, thought all of Stockholm when they heard Johan's story. Johan's mother, he had said, had abducted him to the magical land of witches, where they had entered into sexual congress with the devil. After returning from this strange place, Johan had bravely informed the authorities, and his mother was sentenced to death. It was a sensational tale. The Stockholm authorities couldn't get enough of it. They came to consider Johan a first-hand expert in all matters of witchcraft. He became a minor celebrity, earning the nickname the Yevla Boy, and was showered with treats. He fascinated Lisbeth. She followed all his exploits, listened to all his testimony, even wrote in her copybook what her name would be if they got married. Lisbeth Yevla Boy. Everybody loved him. You're so wise, Yevla Boy, the authorities told him. But tell us, have you noticed any signs of witchcraft going on here, in Stockholm? A smile crept across the Yavla boy's precocious face. Maybe, he said, and winked. You're listening to Something True, stories from the footnotes of history. Written by Duncan Fife and read by Alex Ashby. This week's episode Hex Processor. By this time, Sweden was in the throes of witch hunt fever, having already put to death hundreds of women. For 200 years, the Holy See had put the blame for failing crops, sickly livestock, and general misfortunes squarely on witches, and Sweden had bought into this completely. Johan's tales of abduction simply confirmed what much of Sweden already believed about witches, that they regularly brought children to a secret land of sorcery, sin, and sex parties. The name that they gave to this place was Blokule and it is unfortunate, given the absolute tragedy of this period, that when you write down this word, it looks exactly like Blackula, as in the Black Dracula. Blokula was an endless meadow surrounding a stately manor, the House of the Devil. At night, after children went to sleep, witches all over the country stole them from their beds and spirited them away to the devil's disgusting pasture to engage in depravity. There would be a great feast. The children would have their blood mixed into a cauldron, and the devil would dance in rapture, or squat underneath the banquet table and play music out of his bare bottom. After dinner, 
The devil would get married to everybody present. Wedding gifts were distributed. Then the devil would fornicate with the witches and the children, and they would bear his children. And the devil would make them fornicate with each other, and their demonic issue would be toads and serpents. And they would all dance together in one sordid boogie. It was sick. Stockholm's local authorities always knew there were witches in the city, but now that they were going after children, something had to be done. They were desperate to purge Stockholm of witchcraft, and in the famous Yevla boy, they had a willing accomplice. Rumours would start to spread that a certain woman was a witch. She would be arrested, tried, and the Yavla boy, who may not even have heard of the woman, would be put on the witness stand. Is this woman a witch? Yes, he'd say. She took me to Blocula and exposed me to acts of satanic lovemaking. She's a witch. The crowds would gasp, and the highest priests in the land would nod at one another and affirm, This is a credible boy. But of course, the only way in which Johan Johansson Greece was even remotely credible was as a liar and improviser of erotic fiction. Why he even went along with this is a mystery. He never asked for anything in return. But whatever his motives, the Yevla boy was quickly proving himself an unprecedented threat to the female population of Stockholm. For Lisbeth Karlsdotter, the implications were clear. He was dangerous, and he was famous. And she wanted to be both of those things. So she started accusing women of witchcraft. Mothers, aunts, anyone. All witches, she said. The courts were horrified that these extra witches had been hiding somewhere the whole time. And soon, Lisbeth was famous too. She had her own squad, the maids of Moira, with whom she ran around throwing deadly shade. The people of Stockholm started giving Lisbeth's dad free stuff so that she wouldn't point her finger at any of them. She was the talk of the town, and the Yavla boy could eat her dust. Perhaps her most famous victim of this period was Britta Zippel. She wasn't a popular woman. She had an attitude and bore the terrible stigma of living in poverty after her husband's death from syphilis. She was also mean to children, or that's what the children said, and that would be her undoing. I think you're a goddamn witch, Britta Zippel! Lisbeth and her squad shouted at her in the street. You are a little turd! She shouted back. Go to hell! Well, you just didn't talk to children like that in Sweden 1675. Pretty quickly, the authorities took an interest. They questioned Britta's daughter about the accusations. Now, please think carefully. Has your mother ever taken you to Blackula? Uh, I don't know. Sure, why not? She said, and then demanded treats. Britta was arrested. During her trial, she dismissed her own children's charges as just kids being kids. She was less understanding when it came to the other witnesses, like Lisbeth and the Yevla boy, who the prosecution dredged up to testify against her. She told them to go fuck themselves, and said that she wished she was a witch so that she could come back as a ghost and fuck up all their lives. She was found guilty. Britta was brought to be executed, and broadcast her contempt loudly to the hissing mob. Oh, fuck you all! Fuck you, fuck you, and a fuck you. 
A priest asked if she would care to reject Satan and take communion. She responded predictably. The previous day, Britta's daughter had gone to her priest and confessed that she had lied. Britta had never taken her to Blokule. The priest mulled it over and then told her, Let's just keep that one to ourselves, hmm? On the podium, Britta continued to swear at everyone and struggle with her executioner. Five men were brought up from the crowd to sit on her and keep her still. Britta's stream of obscenities grew ever more frantic, increasing in pitch and tempo, until finally the executioner swung and silenced them. Meanwhile, Lisbeth Karl's daughter was feeling pretty good. Her reign of terror was in fine health. In the streets and witness stands of Stockholm, she could be heard to shout, I'm Lisbeth Karl's daughter, who the hell are you? And eat my shorts. Her ego grew in proportion to the fame of her targets. Britta Zippel, that poor syphilis widow, was no big deal. She needed a nemesis. A woman who was worthy of being destroyed by the great Lisbeth Karlsdottir. That was how she decided to accuse Maria Sofia della Gardi. She had been the mistress of the robes to Sweden's Queen Christina, an eminent industrialist and inventor, a foremost exporter of ships, timber and textiles, and a pioneer in the field of hydroelectric power. Yeah, she's a witch, said Lisbeth. And so's her cousin, the Countess Palatine of Schweibrucken, a royal princess of Sweden, and the sitting king's aunt. And both of them, added Lisbeth, took me on a ride to Black Dracula. The reaction from Swedish high society was swift. No, 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 no. We are not listening to any of that witch shit here. Not a chance. Piss off. And this time, it seemed the whole country agreed. Countesses? Royal ladies? The wealthy? These were obviously not witches. That just wouldn't make any sense. Lisbeth had gone too far. Her credibility was shot. And now the local authorities started to wonder. Just how reliable were these child witnesses? Now, when they pulled kids in to hear their sordid stories of sex in Blocula, they sat on it for a few days, brought them back in, and asked them to repeat their story exactly as they had told it the first time. Oh, yeah, Blokula, right, they stumbled. There was the devil, of course, I mean, obviously. And I think there was also a sheep and another monster. Now give me my treats, you fat fuck. The authorities were crestfallen, all their cases falling apart. These kids were just little liars and probably had been the whole time. And at this low moment, who reappeared but the original child liar himself? The Yevla boy, with a shocking message for his followers. I have lied, he said. I have borne false witness against many women, including my own mother, and accused them of witchcraft when in truth I knew them not to be witches. I have never been abducted, nor entered into intercourse with the devil. I feel a great sorrow for every loss of life for which I am responsible. I lied, and I could not help but lie, because I am a witch. The authorities were astonished. 
But Yevla boy, if you are a witch, that means we must execute you. Yes, that is what you must do. So that was how the career and life of the Yevla boy ended, confusingly and with much associated embarrassment. The teenaged Lisbeth Karlsdotter and her maids of Moira followed him not long after, leaving the world from a gallows. And in the new year, 1677, the Swedish government met the religious authority in the land and they asked, Hey guys, why don't we just say that we got rid of all the witches? As in, we did it, they're all gone, and because we did such a good job, there will never be another witch in Sweden ever again. The priests agreed that this made eminent sense. So Sweden released all the women still awaiting trial, and let all the child witnesses off with a light whipping. And that was how Sweden triumphed once and for all, legally speaking, against the handmaidens of the Dark One. Today, the city of Yevla chooses to be represented not by a boy, but by a goat, the Yevla goat. It is a traditional Yule goat, a straw sculpture standing 43 feet tall and weighing three tons. Some years, most years, the people of Yevla try to set the goat on fire, or hit it with their car, or kick it to pieces. They hate it. We just love to kick the goat, they say. But overall, the citizens of Yevla would agree that if Yevla is going to be remembered for anything, better the Yevla goat than the Yevla boy who was an absolute piece of shit. That was Something True, a podcast on the Idle Thumbs Network, written by Duncan Fife and read by Alex Ashby, with artwork by Ray Chen. Music credits can be found in the description and on our website at somethingtrue.net. Follow us on Twitter at A True Podcast and join us again for the next episode. Charlie Joyride. <laughs> <laughs>